So I, I have this glove, and, and I know you're not going to believe this, but this glove is incredibly special. This, this glove is, is pretty amazing. This glove can do incredible things. You, you, won't, you wouldn't even believe this uh, about this glove. This glove can move this pulpit right here. This glove can pick up my Bible right there. This glove can handle hot things. This glove can handle cold things. Do you want to see it do it? You are some skeptics right now. I'm going, to, I'm going to convince this glove to move this pulpit. What do you say? I'm going to help it out a little bit. I'm going to wrap the fingers around it. Let's put it down here. It's, it's losing a little grip here. Okay. Now, now you're going to help me. On the count of three, you're going to tell this glove to move that pulpit. You ready? So you are still looking at me skeptical. <laughs> All right, here we go. We're going to say, move that pulpit. Or y'all want to say, hey, glove. Let's say, hey, glove, like, hey, Siri. Make sure he knows we're talking to him. Okay, so we're going to say, hey, glove, move that pulpit on the count of three. Are you ready? One, two, three. Hey, glove, move that pulpit. You didn't do it loud enough. Let's try it again. Give me some, give me some depth. I want really clear diction, if you will. Hey, glove, move that pulpit. Okay? A little bit of a British accent would work well. All right. Here we go. On the count of three. One, loud now. One, two, three. Hey, glove, move that pulpit. I didn't hear any English accents in there. How many of you think that's <laughs> Southeast Texas? We don't have any English. Um, how many of you think this glove's going to move this pulpit? Anybody believe me when I said this glove could move this pulpit? What if I say this glove can move the Bible? Would you believe that? No. What makes this glove powerful? The hand that goes inside of it. When I put my hand inside of this glove, it can do great things. I've used gloves in my life for many, many things. For working outside, for building houses, for building fences, uh, for handling hot things for handling very cold things. But you know, it's not the glove, it's the hand inside of the glove that allows it to do great things. In your life, you are called to do great things. You're called to big dreams. You're called to accomplish the will of God. You're called to accomplish the purposes of God in the earth today. You're called to see miracles. You're called to live a righteous life. You're called to overcome sin. You're called to live for God as a light in a dark, dark world. But here's the problem. We are trying to do all this as a glove without a hand in it. And the hand is the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Without the, hand, with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we're just a glove trying to do impossible things that we can never accomplish. But when the Holy Spirit fills us, when He comes on the inside of us, there is nothing that can stop us because God Himself is living on the inside of you. 
so you can overcome sin and you can overcome darkness and you can, you can accomplish everything that God has put in your life and you can see impossible things done. You can see the miraculous in your life. You can see the supernatural in your life, not because of you, but because of God. It's why I can stand here today and I can say of every person here that God has great things in store for you because you hear that term and you are basing it on the quality of the glove. You're basing it on the decisions maybe that you have made or the choices that you have made or the lack that you may have on your life. But I am not judging you based off of the glove. I'm based, judging you based off the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And I'm telling you, you are made to do the impossible. Today is Pentecost Sunday. What does Pentecost Sunday mean? Well, first off, penta means five, cost means times ten. So it literally means 50. It's 50 days after uh, the, the day that, that Jesus was crucified. It also was the day that the law was given at Mount Sinai. And it was a huge feast for, for the children of Israel. And it was on this day that the church was born. You see, the church wasn't born on the day Jesus died on the cross. The church wasn't even born on the day Jesus was raised from the dead. That's the day that salvation was released to the world. But the day the church was born was the day that the Holy Spirit came down out of heaven and filled followers of Jesus that were praying. They were in one mind and they were in one accord. And when he filled them, and suddenly Peter stood up and began to do what God called him to do, and 3,000 were added to the church that day. It was on that day that the church was born. It was on this day. So today we celebrate the birthday of the church. And no matter what the kingdom of darkness has tried to bring against the church. No matter what, how many times he's tried to stop her, martyrdom couldn't kill her. The dark ages couldn't kill her. Social media can't kill her. Hollywood can't kill her. No, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is alive and well and is still moving because the Holy Spirit is still at work in our lives. So it's Pentecost Sunday today and I, I want to share with you, and this is um, the, the story of Pentecost and, and what happens in our hearts and lives is a core piece of who I am. At, at, at the, my very center is a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And everything in my life comes out of that. When I wake up in the morning, you see, the Holy Spirit is, is a person. It's not an it. It's not a scary thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's part of the Godhead. There's the God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. When I wake up in the morning, I say to myself, good morning, Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is my best friend. I'll tell you that my wife is my best friend, but closer than my wife is the Holy Spirit. I can't go a day without the Holy Spirit. I can't function without the Holy Spirit. He's everything to me. And I want to share with you, you know, I could spend the rest of this year talking about the Holy Spirit, the doctrines of the Holy Spirit. I don't have all that time today, but I just want to take a few minutes and share with you and hopefully, hopefully convince you that you can't afford to live one day without the Holy Spirit in your heart. You see, it was when the Holy Spirit filled the disciples that the church was born. And when you read the book of Acts, if you were to just read it and you didn't know anything about the church and you didn't know anything about God, you just read the book of Acts, you would be 100% convinced that 
it was because of the work of the Holy Spirit that the church expanded and grew. And later in the book of Acts, it says that all of Asia had heard of the gospel of Jesus. How did that happen? How did the miracles happen? Because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Grab your Bibles with me, if you will. We'll pick up in Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read several verses, and if you'll allow me just to kind of talk through them with you for a moment. Acts chapter 1, then we'll flip over to Acts chapter 2. We'll hit a few more verses as we go along. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation today. Don't forget, you can always follow along on our app. Search Triumph Church TX. And there's some notes there uh, as well. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Are you excited to be at church today? Yes. All right. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything that Jesus began to do and teach until he was taken up into heaven after giving his, giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the disciples from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. What did he talk to them about? It's not, a, it's not a trick question. Let's put it back up there on the screen. Right here, verse 3. He talked to them about what? The subject of what Jesus was talking to them about was the kingdom of God. This is very important because we're going to pick up, Luke's going to tell us in verse 4, the specifics of the conversation. You see, the Holy Spirit is very controversial. It's, it, it, it's, it's very polarizing. We want to separate the kingdom of God from the Holy Spirit. But here's what, what Luke is about to do. He said, he talked to them about the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, one time, verse 4, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before. So here's what he says. Here's Jesus. These, these, these words are in red. If you're reading in your Bible, these words are in red. And, and so Luke is saying, he talked to us about the kingdom of God. Specifically, one day he was talking about the kingdom of God, and he reminded us, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised you. What was the gift? The Holy Spirit. You can't separate the kingdom of God from the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is God. Can you separate the kingdom of God from Jesus? No. You can't separate the kingdom of God from the cross. Can you separate the kingdom of God from God the Father, the creator of the heavens and the earth? Of course we can't. But somehow the enemy likes to confuse us to separate the kingdom of God and then just push away everything having to do with the Holy Spirit. What, leads, what it leaves us with is maybe a saved church, but a powerless church. You might be a saved believer, but you're a powerless believer. Jesus goes on. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I love this, this, this verbiage that Jesus uses. It might be because I'm... I'm I, I grew up Pentecostal and charismatic, but I love the phrase baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
Because so, so often, even in the church, when we do accept the work of the Holy Spirit, we only want a little bit. But the whole idea of baptism, this word baptizo, is to be completely submerged is to be completely dipped under. So when we have water baptisms here, we don't sprinkle. I know that many churches do, and that's fine. We don't sprinkle. If you want to be baptized at Triumph Church, you're about to get wet. Your hair is going to be wet. Your makeup's going to be running. Your clothes are going to be wet. Get ready because we are going under, right? And in the same way, when I come to the Holy Spirit, I don't want just a sprinkling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, the Holy Spirit just touched me a little. No, I want to come to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, fill me, baptize me, whatever it takes. I want everything that you have for me. <laughs> Baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? These disciples, they, they really struggled to understand the kingdom of God. See, see the context we're still talking about? What did Luke say that he was always talking to them about? The kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit. And here they are, they're asking about the Holy Spirit. When is it time? Now, first off, they keep getting it wrong. They keep getting this kingdom wrong. They keep thinking that the Romans were going to be overthrown and, and the kingdom of David was going to be set up again. The kingdom of Israel was going to be set up as a political kingdom. And that wasn't what Jesus was talking about. The king, even if Jesus, I want you to think about this for a moment. Every time they ask this question of Jesus, when are you going to set up your kingdom? When are you going to set up your political kingdom? When are you going to have Israel ruling again? Do you understand that they are limiting the work of Jesus? Do you understand how this is belittling Jesus, that he only came to set up a, politi a, a political kingdom? And Jesus is like, do you guys not get it? That I came to bring salvation to the whole world. That whoever believes in me, whoever, from every corner of this globe, for, for, from now until eternity, whoever believes in me would not perish but have everlasting life. And you keep talking you keep talking about a, a government. They were always looking for the time. They were always confused about the time. Here's the problem when you're always looking for times from God. We can get so caught up looking for times that we stop living according to purpose. Our focus on when starts to cover up the what and the why. And that's what was continually happening with these disciples. Jesus goes on. He answers. He, didn't, he doesn't really even address the time question other than to say, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Here's what Jesus is saying. You're asking the wrong question. Quit asking when. Can I ask you, have you ever been caught up on the question of when? When are you going to do this for me, God? When are you going to do that? When are you going to help me here? When am I going to get the job? When am I going to get the husband? When am I going to get the wife? When am I going to have kids? When am I going to uh, get the house? When am I going to be healed? When am I going to be delivered from this? And Jesus is changing the question. Here's what he says. They're not for you to know, verse 8, one of my favorite verses in Scripture, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem and throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
Here's what Jesus is saying to them. You're worried about this political kingdom and you're, you're worried about when. But if you would stop focusing on those questions, I'm going to give you a power like you've never felt before. I'm going to give you a mission. I'm going to give you a purpose. I'm going to get you, give you something to do. And you'll look up and the kingdom of God is going to be advanced and things will happen in your life, but you're focused on your purpose. Here's what Jesus said. Better than knowing the time is receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. Better than knowing when, better than having all the, the timeline of our lives figured out, is the, having the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm not going to spend all my time answering this question anymore. I've already talked to you about Matthew chapter 24 and 25. He spent a long time talking about it. No, he said, here's what I want you to know. But when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. The power of God is worth the wait. Acts chapter 2. They returned to Jerusalem. They're praying and they're believing God. Are you out there this morning? Yeah. Verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all of the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages or other tongues, if you're reading the New King James, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were be bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. So here's the, here's the deal. They're praying. They're believing. Lord, you said you were going to send us this gift of the Holy Spirit, so send us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly this, this huge sound, this great rushing mighty wind blows through, and divided tongues of fire come on their head, and they start speaking out loud in other languages. They start speaking in other tongues. And here's this, this incredible miracle that happens here on the day of Pentecost, that when other people... Because remember, it's a, it's a great feast. It's a great, uh, the, it's the, Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost. So people are gathered from all around the world. They have come to worship God at this time. But they're Jews that through slavery uh, and defeat had been taken to other parts of the world. So now they speak other languages. And when they come up, these Jews that shouldn't speak their language are now speaking their language. They're like, how is this happening? These are just fishermen. These, are just, these, these people shouldn't know all these languages, and yet they do. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit was at work. They were completely amazed. Verse 7. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pomphilia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, all these people from around the world. Can you, can you imagine that? There's all these people gathered around and suddenly they're just speaking in native languages that they've never been taught before. Incredible miracle that just took place. 
And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed, and they asked each other, what can this mean? Now here's what's interesting. We see two responses to the same event. What can this mean? They were amazed. How can this be? We see intrigue. We see people wanting to know. We see people recognizing that there is something different going on here. And then at the same point, but others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk. That's all. I said to you today that the, that the Holy Spirit is, uh, is very polarizing. It's very controversial, especially when you start talking about speaking in tongues, when you start talking about speaking in a heavenly language. It's extremely controversial, and many people don't want to talk about it or even recognize it because, you know, that was for another time. That was only for the days of the Bible. But you, all, you still see these two responses. You see people perplexed and amazed, saying, how can this be? Intrigued, wanting to know what's happening, wanting to know about this power that is available, this language that is available. And then you see people saying, they're just a bunch of drunks. They're just a bunch of crazies. Both still exist, but they aren't new to the world today. They started on the very day of Pentecost. And for 2,000 years, when this subject comes up, you see responses. They're crazy. They're drunk. I want nothing to do with it. They're making it all up. What's wrong with these people? And then on the other side, I'm amazed. I feel something. Something is drawing me, and I don't understand it. How can this be? It doesn't make sense in my mind, and yet something is pulling on me. Peter stands up at this point, and he begins preaching and he begins talking, he begins explaining to them. He says, look, they're not drunk as you suppose. I'm not drunk as you suppose. And he begins preaching and he talks about this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He said, this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit when the Spirit of God is poured out on all flesh. I, I want to say this about Triumph Church. And over the course of 35 years in, in September, we, say, we celebrate 35 years of Triumph. Some of you have been with us for most of that, and it's been an absolutely amazing journey. Over the course of 35 years, many things have changed about this church. The look, the colors, the people, uh, the, the, the methods that we go about preaching the gospel, all types of these things have changed. But Triumph always has and always will be a spirit-filled church. And when I use the term spirit-filled, I, I use it very carefully and very much in its definition, which means that we believe, I believe from the evidence of Scripture, that it is God's great desire that He didn't just send Jesus to this world to die on a cross. That would have been enough. But Jesus Himself said, It is your advantage that I go away, that another might come. And that other that came was the Holy Spirit. And it happened on the day of Pentecost. And so when I say we are spirit-filled, I literally believe that there is a, an experience in addition to the baptism of salvation and in addition to the baptism of water baptism. And it is this baptism that Jesus spoke of, that he would baptize us with the Holy Spirit, that he would come upon us and that he would fill us. And we see it time and time and time again in scripture. 
I'm not ashamed to stand here before you to say today and say I'm a spirit-filled believer. I'm not ashamed to stand here before you today and tell you that I speak in a heavenly language, that I speak in tongues. I'm not ashamed of these things. I'm not ashamed of the power of God that is at work in my life. I'm not ashamed that I have seen the gifts of God, the extraordinary gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gift of prophecy, the gift, the gift uh, of tongues, the gift of discernment, the gift of words of wisdom, the gift of words of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of working of miracles, the gift of healing. I'm not ashamed to tell you that I've seen all of these at work in my life and still do, and they are still active in the church today. So when I say we're a spirit-filled church, that's what I mean. Now, over the years, we, we often connect being spirit-filled with someone's personal response to the Holy Spirit. That's a personal response, and I'm not here to confirm or deny that. That's your personal response. Mine's different than yours. But what do I mean when I say spirit-filled? I'm saying we are filled with the Holy Spirit, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want you to live your life without that same baptism. Because without that baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're just a glove. But when He fills you and He is in your life, nothing is impossible for you. I was nine years old. My family lived in Nederland, 2716 Nashville. I can remember the house. I can remember my parents' bedroom. They had knocked out a wall and, and uh, added on there and kind of made their bedroom a little larger. And I went in to see my mom one day. Dad wasn't home. I didn't believe my sisters were home. I said, Mom, I've given my life to Jesus. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Nine years old. My son now is 10. It puts it in perspective for me. This last summer, we had our Anthem Student Conference, which we'll host again here in August. And as one of the pe preachers were uh, preaching, or, or I don't even remember exactly what we were doing, an altar call or something, and we're sitting right over here, and, and my nine-year-old son is standing beside me. And, and suddenly, he looks up at me and had the same experience that I did. And he looked up at me and he said, Dad, come here. And so I leaned down to him, and at nine years old, he said, Dad, I was filled with the Spirit. I just received my prayer language. My heart broke because I realized that one generation later, God's still moving. He's still, he's still filling people. He's, he's still baptizing young people with the Holy Spirit. At, at nine years old, I walked into my mom's room. And she had this, uh, this black uh, chase lounge, and it was, it was black with these bright flowers on it, and she was sitting on it watching. Uh, we had an old Curtis Mathis TV. I remember Curtis Mathis. Anybody remember Curtis Mathis? It was Curtis Mathis TV, and she was watching. I think we had about six channels or so, you know, and she was watching, and I said, Mom, I'm ready to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she said, Are you sure, son? Are you sure you can handle it? And I said, I'm ready, Mom. She turned the TV off, and she stood and she, she laid her hands on me. And I'll show you this in scripture here in just a moment. And as she began to pray with for me, I felt something I had never felt before. I had an experience that I had never experienced before, but thankfully have had time and time again in my life since. And I felt electricity going through my body. And suddenly I, I began to speak out of my mouth words that I didn't understand and words that I didn't that, that were confusing to me and yet something in me said I have to say them and I began praying in another language 
short time after that, God began to work through in the, in the same experience, God began to work through me and release the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That was the first time in my life that I ever prophesied. And I sat there before my mom and I began to prophesy things that the, the, that the Spirit of God was speaking into my heart, many of which have already happened. And she, if she were here today, she would, she would tell you this experience. She probably remembers more of it than I do. I was nine years old. I only remember some of it. But I'll never forget what I felt that day. That's my experience. That's my story. And it stuck with me. Pastor Rannon, how did you, how did you get through high school? How did you grow up without getting in trouble? How did you stay close to God all of those years? Well, I'm blessed with good parents. And I was blessed to have a great church around me. I was blessed to have a great youth ministry as a support system around me. All of those things are true. But at the core is this one thing. Every day of my life, I spent from nine years old till today filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's changed my heart and my life. It can change your life. This, this language, and, and that's where so much of us, we, we get caught up. We get caught up in this language that it, that it, and there's so much controversy over it. Some uh, put more importance on it. Some put no importance on it. I, I believe in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, where Paul said these words, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. That's, that's my heart for you. I wish that every one of you would speak in tongues. I concur. A, a, a great man that was in this church, he, he moved away because of his work. Uh, but his name was Ed, and, and many of you would know him. Ed was a great man, served great many, many, many years here at Triumph. Ed didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit when he came to Triumph. And he loved God, but he didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And this whole, this whole speaking in tongues thing was really weird to him and strange to him. But something was drawing on him at the same time. And over the course of time, he, he just felt like I, he wanted this gift so badly. He just couldn't take it. I, I passed around you. And every time he see me, you got to pray for me right now. i gotta, I got to speak in tongues. I'm like, just calm down, Ed. Just calm down, big man. Everything's going to be okay. The Holy Spirit will fill you. You'll get a prayer language. It's no big deal. Just, I mean, and I didn't mean to say it's no big deal. I'm just like, he was putting so much pressure on himself. You know, like, like just take it down a little bit. It's a free gift. You just got to ask for it and at the right time. And I'll never forget we were playing softball one day. And he was off the whole night. He was just kind of off. He wasn't mean or ugly. He was just quiet. And he was just, he was kind of off. And we played. And so it was, it was the middle of summer. It's hot. You know, we're, we're tired. We leave the ballpark about 10 o'clock, 1030. And I would get, I'm getting in my truck. I'm taking my cleats off. And we're covered in dirt. And Ed walks up to me. He's, he's a tall guy. And he says, Pastor Renan, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah, Ed, what you got? I said, Pastor Renan. I was driving here on the way to, to play softball today. And I was listening to Stephen Curtis Chapman in my truck. I said, does he still sing? <laughs> Apparently he does. <laughs> he said, Pastor Renan, all, all of a sudden, as I'm, as I'm driving along and I'm just praying and I'm, and I'm thinking about my marriage and my son, and he, and he said, I'm just, I'm just praying for my family. And suddenly I felt this electricity come over me. This, 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 this kind of heat just kind of went from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet and back. And he said, I got chill bumps everywhere. And I was singing along, and then all of a sudden, I wasn't singing. I wasn't singing in English. I just was like singing all these weird syllables and things, Pastor Renner. I don't even know what I was singing. I said, Pastor Renner, I think I got my prayer language. <laughs> he's, he's all excited. He's beaming. And I said, Ed, 
think he did, man. That's the Holy Spirit. From then until the day, today, Ed's a total different man. He leads his family. He walks with God. He prays like crazy. He hears from God. He's a leader in his house. Why? Because on that day, the Holy Spirit filled him, and he received something. He had an experience that he had never had before. I pray like Paul prayed. I wish and I hope that every one of you would speak in tongues, would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But here's what I want you to know. Speaking in tongues is an evidence of the Holy Spirit, but it's not the only one. If you're here today and you've never done that, but I, I, I want you to know that it, don't get caught up just on speaking in tongues. I grew up and, and my parents were raised, and, and though they didn't necessarily teach me this, they were raised in a culture where if you didn't speak in tongues, you weren't saved. You couldn't go to heaven unless you spoke in tongues. Because if you didn't speak in tongues, you weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit, you weren't saved. And, and, and I just don't agree with that theology because I don't believe that Scripture backs it up. But I do believe that it is incredibly important. My grandfather tells the story of when he was first saved. He was a young man living on a plantation. His family was dirt poor. They were just, just above slaves at the time. Of course, slavery was, had been abolished, but they were, they were just above slaves. They had nothing, and, and they owned nothing. And they pick, as a young man, he would pick cotton in the, in the fields in Mississippi. And someone built a brush harbor, which was, they would take sticks and brush and set it up and make kind of like a little lean-to and have, have church. And this man came through and started preaching. And every night he would preach, and he would say, come down to the altar and be saved be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in another language and you can go to heaven. And they would set logs up at the front to form an altar. And every, every day my grandfather at, at 11 or 12 years old would go down to that altar and he would pray for hours begging the Holy Spirit to fill him that he might be saved. Trying his best to speak in tongues that he might be saved. And he put this wrong pressure on the whole thing. My grandfather was filled with the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't when he, uh, in a pressure-cooked situation. It was when he was walking down a dirt road one day. And he said, Lord, I would love to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit touched him and filled him right there on the side of the road. You see, the Holy Spirit is a free gift of God. You don't have to earn it because you can't earn it. It is God inside of you. But if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you say, Father, you said that the gift of the Holy Spirit was for me. I want it. I want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit like the, the apostles were, like the disciples were, like Jesus promised. And like it's happened to millions of believers all across the earth since then. You don't hear me speak in tongues very often up here because I have a some pretty strong convictions on 1 Corinthians 14. But in my life every day, every morning, every morning, every day, throughout the day, I'm singing and I'm praising God because this language connects me with the Holy Spirit. He's a person and I want to speak His language. It's like I'm speaking His love language and He responds to me. He draws close to me and I never feel without God because the Holy Spirit is in me. But if you want to speak in tongues, 
There's nothing to be worried about, nothing to be ashamed of. There's no reason for the controversy other than an attack of the enemy. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to grind for it. You do have to ask, and at some point, you do have to speak it out. You have to say the words, even when they don't make sense. It's a step of faith. You say, well, Pastor Rand, why is speaking in tongues, why is receiving the Holy Spirit a step of faith? Because everything God does is a step of faith. What is salvation but a step of faith? It all takes faith. Here's what I want to do today. I want to pray for you today, and I want to pray that on this Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit would fill you. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, our pastors and elders will be available here, and we'll pray for you. If you have never uh, spoken in tongues before, this is the day for that. It's very easy. It's a free gift. We'll pray for you. But even beyond that, the disciples, when they were in difficult times, the Bible says that they prayed and they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. Not just once, but time and time again. Wherever you are today, whatever you're going through, here's what a sign of the Holy Spirit is. Here's what Jesus said. He said, you will receive power and you will be my witness. Do you have power working in your life? The power of God? If you don't, you need the Holy Spirit. Are you a witness for Jesus? If you're not, then you need the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus promised. Would you stand with me and let me pray for you? As I pray, our pastors and elders are coming, and if you'd like for us to pray with you to be filled with the Holy Spirit or refilled, or you just need a touch from God, uh, Paul said in Acts chapter 19, the Bible says that he laid hands on believers. They were already believers, but they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. He laid hands on them, and they were filled immediately. There's something powerful that takes place when we lay hands. When, when, a, when a leader, when a pastor with an elder lays hands on you, something there's a transference that takes place. We see it all throughout Scripture. So these altars are going to be open. I want to, we want to pray with you. Father, I thank you for sending us the free gift of the Holy Spirit. That you didn't stop at salvation, but you wanted to fill us with your Holy Spirit you wanted us to have power. You wanted us to be witnesses. You wanted us to have a connection and a relationship with you. For your Holy Spirit is not a thing. It's not something that we can control, but it is God living inside of us. Holy Spirit, be welcomed into this place. Be welcomed into our lives. For those seeking, Lord God, I pray that you would fill them right now, that they would experience you just as I have so many times in my life. Fill us now with your Holy Spirit. I thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name, amen.